Carter here. Look, we don't have time for long introductions. I need to tell this story quickly, or we're all gonna die. If you didn't listen to our first recording, well, pleased to meet you. The Egyptian gods are running around loose in the modern world. A bunch of magicians called the House of Life is trying to stop them. Everyone hates Sadie and me. And a big snake is about to swallow the sun and destroy the world. Rugged and half are on a quest into the riot and We read series that are in about the cap half blood chronicles. Mythology we seek different reads and not just Greek or Roman. Hey, hi, and, and hello. hello. Welcome to Into the Riordan Verse, a Rick Riordan read-along podcast where we read the books that aren't a part of the Camp Half-Blood Chronicles. This includes Percy Jackson and the Olympians, Heroes of Olympus, and The Trials of Apollo. Today we start our look into the King Chronicles, The Throne of Fire, chapters 1 and 2. Fun with spontaneous combustion, and we tame a 7,000-pound hummingbird. Hey, Hal, how you doing? What a wonderful kind of day. I hate you. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, everyone. Season two. We did it, Hal. Did you? Did we do it? I don't know. Are we even alive? What is life? Who are know. we? Who am I? Who are you? I, I'm, I definitely, I don't think I'm alive inside anymore because I've started playing ranked League of Legends. So. You're welcome. Welcome to the cesspool. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I just do slash mute all and it's a good time. Honestly, honestly, but we're we're not a League of Legends podcast. I wonder how that would sound. I don't want to know what a League of Legends podcast would be like. Uh, a lot of anger and hate mail. Probably. We probably have an email in the in the email. I didn't read them. I, I I've been busy, Hal. I've been so busy. Gigi. I also didn't make memes for the mailbag episode, and I'm not making memes for the next couple of weeks because I needed a break. I'm mentally exhausted, and if I can even you know take one of the things out to like ease the stress a little i i, I had to do it i had to do it to them mm. that's the meme how 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 are you my friend i'm doing all right on this beautiful march day it's nice and sunny today yeah <laughs> oh hal you're, you're a man of many words and yet those words are just yeah gg honestly truly mm. i hate you i love you too buddy but that's besides the point, Hal. We're about to start the next book in the King Chronicles. It'll only take us like three years to read it, probably. Mm-hmm. Hal, I tallied it up. The score from last season, who won our epic fight between uh, determining the, what's it called? The thingy, the who who won the chapter. I already know I won. There was no challenge. So you say you won, but let's go over the score. Out of 41 chapters, we tied on 11. I got 11. And you got 19. Making the final score for season one, I get 22 points and you get 30 points. Which means at some point in the future, we go to... Originally it was the MoMA, but after reading these first two chapters, I'm like, hey, maybe we should go to the Brooklyn Museum instead. Either or. I'm down for either. Either or. And I owe you a food. GG. GG. Hal, what do you want to bet for season two? Uh, I, I, I don't know. 
Well, since you were not now, I was, I was going to say 20 bucks of RP, but I, 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 I have vowed never to spend money on League of Legends again. Good luck with that one. No, I have kept that. I, I spent I spent too much money, Hal. I spent too much money. I, no, I've spent too much. You haven't. Uh, <laughs> I I believe you. I believe you. Mm-hmm. I believe my amount is too is too much money, but I believe you that you spent more money. In which case, uh, stop wasting your money on League of Legends. You can't you can't stop points up. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll come up with what we can bet on as the podcast goes on. We'll have a special surprise for everybody as it comes out. Hal and I know about a thing we can't tell you, but look forward to that thing in a week or so, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know that thing. Yeah, I I was thinking a different thing, but yeah. But Hal, Hal, without spoiling what the thing is, what do you think about the thing? It's actually so cool. I love it. I love it so much. I know, right? I I love it so much. I, I just told the guy who was doing the thing, like, here's what I want you to do for the thing. And he did the thing so well. But uh, maybe we shouldn't tease our audience like that. Mm-hmm. How? We are a Rick Riordan read-along podcast. Let's start the next book in the Kane Chronicles of Throne of Fire. How? what did you give chapter one of the Throne of Fire Fun with Spontaneous Combustion? I gave this one a seven. I also gave it a seven. We're starting off season two on a tie, Hal. And Hal, what did you give chapter two? We tame a 7,000 pound hummingbird. I gave that one an eight. I gave it a seven. Okay, so <laughs> we're we're back to our roots where I, I thought we were going to tie and then you pull ahead immediately. GG, easy clap, noob, get good. Uh, I'm just easing you back into league. I actually, I, I, I haven't seen anyone say GG easy to me uh, because I slash all mute. GG, easy clap, noob. Oh god, mute pings is great, but let's not. This is not a League of Legends podcast, Hal. Hal, <laughs> what happens in chapter one? Fun with spontaneous combustion. Oh, uh, we get our recap! Yay! Yeah. Although, I mean, listen, I, I know people who read the second Percy Jackson book before they read the first and were completely fine. This recap chapter just sort of starts off with like, here are the basics from the last book. You know, try and catch up, <laughs> which I kind of like. Like I think that's how a proper sequel should work. You you give just enough information from the pre from the last book, but you don't essentially retell the last book. Yeah, it's I don't think you should be able to unless they're like standalones, which are a different thing, like you shouldn't be able to go into the middle of a series and be able to tell like what happened previously. Because then I would think you really did a good job telling the story beforehand. No. But I mean, listen. The Percy Jackson books was Rick at, at you know his earliest. The King Chronicles. Rick has written like six or seven books at that point. He he has a good handle on the things. Was it that? Yeah. Um, I know that the King King Chronicles was written at the same time as Heroes of Olympus, I believe. And I think he just like alternated, you know, a Hero of Olympus, a King Chronicle, a Hero of Olympus, a King Chronicle, a Hero of Olympus, a King Chronicle. So he like by the time you finish, he probably wrote like ten books total. This isn't even including like the bonus stories. This isn't including his detective stories. Like, you know, interesting. Yeah. So it's essentially a recap. Carter starts off the chapter being like, "Hey, you know, Egyptian gods—they're all around. Magicians—they want to kill us. Everyone hates me and Sadie. Everybody hates Carter and Sadie." Mm-hmm. It's funny because Carter and Sadie are black. <laughs> I wonder how Chris Rock is doing for himself. Uh, sitting on a pile of money. Yeah, probably. 
he's like, okay, so I got, I got to tell you from the beginning, you know, that snake wasn't our fault. Everything that happened wasn't our fault, but we got to start at the beginning back when we set Brooklyn on fire. Mm-hmm. And then he starts describing, I don't know why I like this, but essentially he starts describing an art heist where he, Sadie, and we're introduced to two new characters have to, well, later on, but he and Sadie are on top of the Brooklyn Museum trying to like, okay, we got to break in and steal a thing. Yeah, they're, they're attempting to steal a statue that is tied to their next quest. Yeah. But of course, in traditional Rick Riordan fashion, they have chosen the worst possible time to do such a thing. So this this story takes place several months after the last one, and not even a full year, like several months. And in those, what, three months, Sadie is losing her British accent. And I'm like, aw, you poor, poor like, girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens like that. She hasn't been in the country for a while. And despite the fact that both countries speak the same language, they don't speak the same language. No. How? What? It's also stated that Sadie is listening to her iPod and Carter has to, like, you know, tap her shoulder and really break her attention. What do you think Sadie would be listening to? Hmm. What What was, like, peak 2011, like, music for a teenage girl? Especially a teenage girl from, from the UK. Uh, was One Direction a thing in 2013? I, that's what I was about to say. Was One Direction a thing at that point? I don't remember. Don't, I don't remember if One Direction is a thing. I also, based on her, her like, just based on her, the way she dresses, she's definitely a lady got a fan. Yeah, definitely. She also dresses pretty punky, so she, you know, My Chemical Romance, yep. yeah, P- their, Pierce the Veil. Yep, their first album came out in 2011. She's, oh, God. Oh, she's, God, no. She's a directioner. <laughs> Don't do that to me. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about, like, MCR. Oh, man, no, no, do that to me. She's a directioner. Is that what One Direction fans are called? Directioners? I, I believe so. I believe that was what they were they were called. So part of the reason that Sadie and Carter are like on top of this museum is that they're essentially uh, creating their escape, but they realize that the museum isn't going to be empty the night of their little heist. He quotes that Horace told him at the worst possible time that what they were going for and how to get to it. it it's just Horace has... Not good timing. Horace tells Carter in a dream, hey, that artifact you want, that one that might hold the key to saving the planet, it's been sitting down the street in the the Brooklyn Museum for the last 30 years, but tomorrow at least for Europe. So you'd better hurry. You have five days to figure out how to use it or we're all doomed. Good luck. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, the gods in any of Rick Riordan's books are just useless. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're going over their plan to try and sneak into it, and it is a terrible plan. Attempting to levitate a several ton statue out of a giant window is well, a dome is kind of kind of yikes. Yeah, I mean, even with protection and like you know cloaking or whatever from whatever the Egyptian equivalent of the mist is, I think it's the duat. Uh, I- I'm pretty sure people are still going to notice a giant statue just floating out of the window out of a window. Like, and even so, when has any kind of like magic in either series gone wrong, gone correctly? We also learned that Amos, uh, who we, we we don't meet again for a while, I assume, but Amos, the reason he put the uh, the the their headquarters, the twenty first gnome in Brooklyn, was because the Brooklyn Museum has the largest collection of Egyptian magic scrolls in the world. It's like it's, that's convenient, very convenient. Mm-hmm. It's like I, was, I shall build my house here. 
and nobody else will build their house here. And they start going through all the plans that failed. Uh, because the doors and the windows of the museum have some pretty nasty curses on them, they can't open a magic portal into the exhibit. They can't use a retrieval shop D. The only way, unfortunately, is that they're going to have to go in and, like, take it out. They have to Mission Impossible it. Bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Do do our viewer do our, our viewers our listen do our listeners know what Mission Impossible is? Probably there was a new Mission Impossible movie like two or three years ago. Yeah, but did they watch it? That's the thing. Uh, Mission Impossible hasn't been the most popular thing more recently. I mean, I think Mission Impossible is just popular with dude bros who are like, yeah, Tom Cruise jumping out of a plane. Nobody, nobody is hyping up Tom Cruise. I'm sorry to tell you this. Uh, as it should be. It's like nobody is hyping up Tom Cruise, not even Tom Cruise. They have tonight to steal it, or sorry, borrow the artifact, and then they have five days to figure out how to use it. Oh, don't you just love deadlines? Carter, I feel you, man. Honestly. I I, I just love dead. Listen, every and any paper that was assigned to me in college, I did like the day before. The night and the day before, the night of. (laughs) The night of. They'll be like, you have to submit your paper no later than midnight, you know, Monday. And I'll be like, uh, 11 p.m. I see. <laughs> 11 p.m. That's a perfect time to start my essay. And then somehow it's in my essay and I get like a B and I'm like, college should not work like this. Honestly. They drop down from the from the dome to find their trainees and see see how how, how they progressed and they find the two of them quibbling. And then we get introduced to our new characters for this book, uh, or these chapters, I assume. Uh, Jazz and Walt. They are they are new trainees. Jazz is from Nashville, and she is the stereotype blonde cheerleader. Yeah, and Walt is your typical quarterback. Yeah, pretty much. It's worth noting that as they landed behind Jazz and Walt, they're holding hands, and Sadie's like gasp, and I'm like, oh, Sadie, why must you fall for every boy? Why why can't you have class? Why why can't you like a girl? <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> listen, uh... listen. Ever since Piper. Was revealed that she likes girls, and that like at the end of the series she has a girlfriend. I, I'm like, I look at all the Rick Riordan girls. I'm like, you could do so much better. Huh? You know, I uh, this this is kind of a spoiler, but not really a spoiler. Sadie, Sadie is straight. Oh man. However, her her love interest later on in the series is quite interesting. But I guess we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. So yeah, as you said, as you said, Jazz was a cheerleader from Nashville, short for Jasmine. But if you ever call her that, you'll get turned into a shrub. She was pretty in a blonde cheerleader kind of way, not really Carter's type. Carter, no, no girl is your type other than Zaya. But we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a talent for healing magic, which, which was great because anytime Sadie and Carter did something, it went wrong like ninety nine percent of the time. Maybe like that. Hmm. Walt was 14, the same age as Carter. He was tall enough to play varsity forward. He had the right build for it, lean and muscular, and that dude's feet was huge. His skin was coffee bean brown, a little darker than mine, and his hair was buzz cut so that it looked like a shadow on his scalp. Jazz and Walt are dressed in black because, you know, bank heist. Or not bank heist, art heist. <laughs> uh, can I say I never liked it when anybody describes a person of color as having, like, coffee bean skin, chocolate skin? They're trying to not say black or not say a dark skin because they're trying to tiptoe around the fact that I'm just like this... Just, just say black. Just say black, please. It's, but yeah, they're 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 trying to tiptoe around it. I'm like, I, I'd rather I'd rather you say it. But I, I I guess his intent was probably to get like the the complexion down. And it's just like you don't you don't need to go that 
that in detail. Which is funny because I, when I think of coffee beans, coffee beans, I'm just like, so what? I, I can't, I can't right now. I can't imagine a coffee bean or the color of it. So right now, as far as I know, Walt just doesn't have any color on his skin. Anyway, Carter points out that Sadie is jealous of Jazz and, and that she likes Walt, although she never admitted, even though she also has a crush on an actual god, a.k.a. Anubis, which I'm still not comfortable with. So all four of them swing open the window. No magic explosions, which is great. No alarms, also great. And then they step into the Egyptian wing, wondering if maybe we, they had a shot at pulling this off after all. Carter, you idiot, you jinxed it. So of course not. And then Carter, of course, as they're going through the museum, he's like, ah, ancient Egyptian <clears throat> ancient Egyptian artifacts, just like my dad used to show me. And then they recount that his dad, you know, good old Julius Cain is now... Possessed by the god of the dead. Possessed by the god of the dead. He's Osiris. He is a, a blue-skinned god of the dead. And he's like, you know, is it kind of weird that this is kind of a deadbeat dad story, except it's not a deadbeat dad, it's a dad being a god and not a being able to dad a, a <laughs> neglectful dad there we go he has this responsibility as an egyptian god instead of you know raising his kids that's very crazy and he's also like you know a few months ago i'd fallen for a girl named zaya rashid who turned out to be a shopty she's made out of clay <laughs> falling in love for the first time had been hard enough but when the girl you like turns out to be ceramic and cracks to pieces before your eyes well it gives breaking your heart a new meaning carter she- i hate you Jado, 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 she's made out of clay. Jado, Jado, Jado. Yeah, she looks at. I, I know I made this joke, but she just looks at Carter and she's like, "I don't feel so good." And then she dusts away. Yeah. There's this TikTok trend going on. This is gonna date the, the the recording of this episode. There's this TikTok trend where people will be like, "Ah, oh, man, you just got off work and you got your Wendy's, but the Avengers lost." And then like, it, it's like a sound that's like, ah. And you start dying and fading away. And I'm like, man, that would suck if I got off work, I got my Wendy's, and then I got dusted. Honestly, it's like, it's like you, you eat a Popeye's biscuit and then you turn to dust. <laughs> and you're just traumatized for the rest of your life. I mean, you won't because you'll be dead until you come back five years later. You're traumatized for the rest of your life. As they're walking through several Egyptian rooms, they stop in front of a stone freeze the size of a garage door. Chiseled into the rock was a picture of a monster trampling some humans, and Jazz is like, "Is that a griffin?" It's like I, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out like how different the griffin in Greek mythology versus the griffin in Egyptian myth- mythology is. He's describing it, and I'm like, "This doesn't sound too different from the Greek mythology." Hey, Lois, can I can I make that joke? Do do twelve year olds watch Family Guy? Please don't watch Family Guy. It's very very bad. It used to be good. It, it used, used to be to... good. How? How? Don't don't please don't sound don't make us sound old. Or we like it used to be good back in the day. Maybe before it got canceled the first time. So Griffins, as Carter tells us, were protectors. They guarded treasures and stuffs. And Sadie's like, oh, that's great. So you mean they would attack? Oh, you know, thieves who are breaking into a museum and stealing artifacts. And Carter's like, I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a it's a giant freeze. It's just a piece of stone. I'm pretty sure we're fine. But he's also like. Mm. It's like, yep, they sure will. Yeah. But an interesting fact that we'll learn like relatively shortly is that griffins are also followers of Horus. Like they're his guardian animals. Guardian animals. Just like Percy with good old blackjack, I guess Carter's gonna get a, a good old griffin. Yeah. No, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then they keep walking around and they finally find the giant statue. It was a eight foot tall statue carved from black stone and dressed in typical Egyptian style, bare chested with a kilt and sandals. Had the face of a ram and horns that had partially broken off over the centuries. Over his head was a frisbee shaped crown, a sun disc braided with serpents. In front of him stood a much smaller human figure. The god was holding his hands over the little dude's head as though giving him a blessing. It's good old... uh Musa. Moose, m- what? Moose, Moose God. God. Yes, it's the Moose God. <laughs> I love, I love this interaction where they're trying to figure out. Like, is, is that a moose? And I'm like, he's like, no, but you guys are totally not going to let this go. So why not? It's a moose. I mean, listen, we we pull up references being like, do kids understand these days? But Rick Riordan is pulling up Bullwinkle. I'm like, I barely understand that reference. That's depressing. I mean, how that, that that's a show be before our time, way before Boomer, our time. Uh, yeah, but Boomerang existed. Oh god, Boomerang is great. Uh, Boomerang is Boomerang. such a great channel. You guys should all watch Boomerang. I mean, l- listen. He- here's the thing about Boomerang. It used to be that um Boomerang was just like you know the Flintstones, the Jetsons, Top Cat, etc. But now on Boomerang, they're like putting on Dexter's Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls, Ed and Nettie. Yeah, they're dating us. Oh, okay. I, 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 I didn't want to feel old, but now I do. Mm. So they're originally the, they're looking for the book of raw or, and they're looking for something related to raw. So Sadie is like, well, if we're looking for raw, why are we looking at this moose God? And Carter's like, well, uh, so, so it's pronounced Kanum, Kanum. Basically in Egyptian mythology, similar to how like the Greeks and the Romans work um in the other in the other series they're more like different like pers- diff- different versions of the same god so Kanum is actually just one of the personalities of ra yeah ra was kefri the scarab god in the morning ra during the day and Kanum, the ram-headed god at sunset when he went into the underworld and jazz is like that's confusing and sadie's like not really carter has different personalities <laughs> Oh, but, Sadie, how I've missed you. Yeah, but his personalities basically just represent the different phases of the sun. So sunrise, midday, and then sunset. Mm-hmm. Or high noon, I, sh- I, w- I should say, and then sunset. It's high noon! I hate you. <laughs> Do the kids these days play Overwatch? Is that still a thing? Yeah, it definitely is still a thing, unfortunately. Y'all need to play better video games like League of Legends. <laughs> Actually, no. Add all the twelve-year-olds listening to this. Please never play League of Legends. You will. They already save... play. They already play League of Legends. That's, oh no! It's too late for them. Oh no! So they still can't find this book of Roth thing. And as they're talking, they're like, "Okay, well, I mean, maybe we don't need to take the statue with us." Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that Walt has an affinity for uh, creating... He's efficient at creating charms and ambulance. He's very uh, studious about them. And so he looks at the statue and he's like, wait a minute, it's wearing an ambulance, a, sca- a, a scarab. And he's like, yeah, but the scarab is a symbol of Ra's rebirth, right? And the statue shows Kanum creating a new life. Maybe we don't need the entire statue. Maybe the clue is... And Sadie's like, ah, yes, smart. Yes, boy that I like. You are intelligent. <laughs> And of course, nobody thinks that it's a trap other than Carter. And Sadie's like, hey, uh, open Sesame. And she, you know, opens the Sesame. It's like, I am not obvious at all. You stop that. <laughs> and she finds a yellowed papyrus scroll and she pulls it out. And Carter, just as she's pulling it out, is like, it might be a trap. And then, you know. 
And of course, it is a Rick Riordan book, so of course, it was a trap. As Sadie pulls out the papyrus, it, like, lights on white fire. It doesn't hurt Sadie, but the fire starts spreading around the room and writing hieroglyphics on the walls and the windows, and it's like, oh, no, you did it now. Mm, And as as they're trying to get out of it, they hear a sound, and Carter's like, well, I think Sadie just found her big diversion, which leads us into chapter two, Hal, we tame a 7,000-pound hummingbird. What happens in this chapter? They are being assaulted by a griffin. Oh, boy. Is it Peter Griffin? Hey, Lois. Yes. Yeah, Lois. Remember that time I was in the King Chronicles? Oh my gosh. Not not you trying to mimic a cutaway, no. <laughs> so Carter is recounting that had he still been fused with Horus and Isis with Sadie, this probably would have been a lot less of a problem. But now they were running on their own magic, which was not good. Mm-hmm. It's like they're they're still they're still strong, but they're also still in training. So yeah. this kind of thing is kind of out of their wheelhouse. The griffin steps into full view. It was twice the size of a regular lion. Its reddish gold fur coated with limestone dust. Its tail was studded with spiky feathers that looked as hard and sharp as daggers. With a single flick, it pulverized the stone slab it had come from. So, you have four magicians versus the griffin. Who will win? They're main characters. It's fine. (laughs) Sadie is still fussing about with, you know, a scroll that's on fire in her hand. She seems to be dealing with that okay. The fire's not hurting her, so she's fine. The griffin has, like, screeches like a falcon, but it lets loose a screech that rattles the windows and stands and sets Carter's hair on his, on his end. And, to, and Carter's like, hey, drop the scroll, Sadie. And Sadie's like, hello, it's stuck to my hand, and I'm on fire. Did I mention that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, ghost, the, the ghost fire is spreading across the room, and there's magic seeping from everywhere, and... The trainees are kind of like, oh, that is a giant, a giant griffin trying to kill us. And one of our mentors is on fire. Interesting. And Carter decides, okay, it's time to become cool again. I I remember when I was cool at the end of the last book. Now I got to be cool again. He pulls out his sword from the Dua and he swings at the, or like first he, or first Sadie asks him any hints on fighting griffins. And Carter's like, well, avoid the sharp parts. And he calls he calls to Walt and Jazz and asks them to try and try and figure out a way figure out a way out. He's and Carter's like, hey Walt, uh go to the window, see if you can open them. And Walt's like, Isn't that a bad idea? And he's like, Well the alternative well the alternative is going through the ballroom and the griffin will eat us before we get there. Jazz, meanwhile, is like, wait a minute, those merkins in the glass, I've seen them before. Like foreshadowing till later in the chapter. Yeah. But yes, Sadie, Sadie lobs her, lobs her staff at the griffin, and the griffin's like, numb. Yeah, Sadie's like, that was my favorite staff. By the way, the staff turns into a tiger, but that, that, that didn't stop anything. He still, like, the griffin still eats the tiger. It's like, he, 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 he said, eat. <laughs> eat. And so, as, uh, as Walt is trying to open the window... You know, Carter's asking him, how's it going? And Jazz is like, wait a minute, those are the symbols of segment. Wait, stop! And Walt opens the window and all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jazz notes that the symbols around the window are the symbols of segment. Which, if you remember her from the last book, I believe she was the scorpion goddess. As she also was the, the goddess of healing and disease and plagues, as we know a little bit later on in this chapter. So... Mm. We've unleashed a curse. Da, 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 da. 
So Walt gets knocked out. Jazz runs towards him and the Griffin's like, mm, tasty jazz. But Carter's like, hey, no, don't do that. Do not eat my friend. It's time to get slicey sliced by my sword. But the Griffin isn't really attempting to attack Jazz either. Mm, it, is, it is definitely attacking the fire. Yeah. And Carter yells up. He's like, stop it. And the Griffin stops, actually. And Sadie's like, hey, Carter, keep its attention. I'm gonna... I'm gonna... We're, we're gonna have roast Griffin tonight, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he... The the Griffin is trying to fight Carter. Trying to fight Carter, but is also listening to Carter and is not happy about it. The fire shapes are getting brighter and more solid, and Carter counts seven figures slowly forming legs and arms. And he's like, seven figures? Jazz had said something about the symbols of Sekhmet. And then he's like, oh, I screwed up big time. Mm -hmm. And as Sadie throws her twine at the Griffin, Carter's like, wait, too late. Which is, you know, again, Carter just says the right thing at the wrong time. Like he says it too late. Of course. In classic Carter fashion. As if things couldn't get any worse. Alarms start going off, which draws the attention of the wedding party in the next room. Which is bad. Yes, a bunch of them come into the room to find out what's going on. The figures in fire start like flying through them, which causes them all to collapse. Yep. And I just, I just imagine like Casper, the friendly ghost, just going like, through just, you, just just flying through people. I'm pretty sure he's done that a lot. Yeah, definitely. And so Walt is slowly regaining consciousness. Jazz is out cold because she healed Walt, and like the strain of her healing put her out of commission. And Carter's like, well, okay, everyone, chill out. I think I can control the, the griffin. And Sadie's like, are you out of your mind? I'm sorry, our friends are hurt and we, yeah, I'm, I'm on fire. We, we, gotta, yeah. we gotta go. And Carter's like, that is, that is, that is correct. But there is also a rampaging griffin. And there are also, there, we've also released a, a super dangerous curse. And there are definitely a bunch of innocent people here. Yeah. I also love that he's like, I muttered, I muttered an Egyptian curse, the cussing kind, not the magic kind. <laughs> I want to learn ancient Egyptian cursing so bad. Oh, God. I don't think, I don't think we need you to know ancient Egyptian cursing. I'm going to learn, uh, you know, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to learn them right now. Right this very soon. No, I'm not. Uh, as they're trying to leave, they notice more and more like that the go that the fiery ghost people are passing through people. And that they're crump- they're crumpling to the floor, shivering and coughing. And they're slowly they're slowly taking an actual solid form. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to leave, but the Griffin is also making more ruckus and blocking their path. And it's just a, a, oof, a lot. Carter, mostly being a, a combat magician, of course, tries to do this fancy thing with his sword. He points it at the Griffin. He's like, "Hatep," and that means to be at peace. And the Griffin just stops thrashing and making a ruckus. And he's like, "Hey, you recognize me, don't you?" He pulls out his uh, symbol, the Eye of Horus, from his like from his pocket or whatever, and he's like, "You're a sacred animal of Horus. That's why you obey me." And the Griffin's like, "Yeah, I mean, I smell the Horus on you, so we we cool, we tight." Yeah, I smell bird on you, so you're fine. <laughs> I smell bird. I'm bird, and I smell like bird. If you smell like bird, you must be bird. We're friends. Mm-hmm. It's like I won't murder you, but. I, I kind of still want to murder you. You're pretty sus, my guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they're all trying to leave, and everyone's like, how did you calm down the Griffin? And Carter's like, well, Griffins were servants of Horus. They pulled his chariot in battle. I think it recognized my connection to him. And they're like, okay, we got to get Jazz out of here now, because Jazz is super drained of her power, my guy. But yeah, we get a little backstory here. The, the flaming people are 
evil spirits known as the arrows of segment there they are plague spirits which you can, as you can imagine is not very good for the people that they have passed through yeah it, it explains why everyone's like collapsing and coughing and wheezing or whatever and and jazz is like i can stop them and sadie's like well you need to rest and carter is led with an impossible decision where he's like jazz has never tried a large spell like that she's still in training she's also weak from healing walt but if we don't try, a lot of people are just going to die for no good reason. Yeah. Jazz takes the initiative and attempts to cast the spell. Um, she pulls her wand out and she, much to Sadie's shock, gives Walt a kiss on the cheek. And she's like, it'll be okay, Walt. Don't give up. And she gives Sadie a wax figurine. And she's like, Sadie, you're going to need this in the future. Don't ask me how I know, but I, I just know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she runs to the center of the room and draws a circle of protection and then starts chanting. The spirits are howling, trying to fight her spell. And Jazz keeps chanting, even though her, she's like super weak. Uh, Walt is like, can't we help her? And the griffin is like, hello, let's get out of here. Bird is like, bird, I am still here, bird. <laughs> bird, I want to do that bird thing where we fly. Come on, bird, let's go fly away. <laughs> and... Um, Sadie, uh, what's it called? Uh, Carter is like trying to be like, okay, Sadie, in a second, dispel your robe. Walt, I need you to summon your boat amulet. And he's like, dude, wh we're in a, where's the water? Mm -hmm. It's ancient Egyptian magic. We don't have to question that. Yeah. I, I like this pun where Carter's like, listen, I'm about to put something around your boat. Uh, I'm going to put something around your neck. He says to the griffin, don't freak. And the griffin says, freak. And I'm like, oh, Rick Riordan, you dad. But yeah, as they're attempting to, to do this, the spirit starts speaking to them. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, foreshadowing, you will never win. That chaos is too powerful and the world spins beyond your control. Give up your quest. You will never find her. She sleeps in the places of red sand, but she will die if you follow your pointless quest. And Carter's trying to be like, shut up, you're a, de a demon, a deceiver. And the demon's like, you know better, boy. We've met before. And I'm like, we have? What? Is there something I forgot from the last book? AKA the entirety of the last book. I'm gonna be real with you. The second we finished that book, it just left my memory. Maybe mm -hmm. like that sometimes. Yeah. And so Carter summons the Eye of Horus and the spirit's like, ow, my only weakness, uh, an eye. Mm, hiss. Hiss. They just stop. And so Carter takes uh, his two hands uh, on the griffin's necktie, ties one to the boat and one to the stern. And essentially he just makes a gigantic Santa sleigh with a boat and a griffin. <laughs> Magic is for us. It's the, have you seen the design of... I know it's not Miss Frizzle. It's like her daughter or her sister or something. But still, it looks so horrible. I I'm, I have not, and I'm glad I don't even know the context for this. They're remaking, they're like redoing the Magic School Bus with like this crappy new animation. And I'm like, oh God, why? Again, I am glad I don't know the context of this. And I do not wish to know the context of this. They're leaving now. Jazz faints. Her wand and the Sekhmet statues both crumble to dust in her hands. Um, they get her in the boat, and then they're like, okay, time to Santa slay this uh, this this bish, you know? Ho, ho, ho! Mm -hmm. And as they're leaving, they also hear a deep male voice yelling behind them, hey, what are you? Hey, stop! And I'm pretty sure that's just the police. It's probably no one special. Or security, yeah. And the griffin starts hauling the ship and all four of them. Oh, and Khufu. Khufu's here too, by the way. We just kind of forgot to say that. Honestly. The, uh, the, the griffin hauls all five of them up to safety, and they start flying away. 
uh, and Card and Carter's like, man, that sucked. And as they're also as they're escaping, the ghost fire begins to spread across Brooklyn, and it's like, yeah, you kind of you you done goofed. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If the if those if those fire spirits were spread out, does that mean Carter and Sadie caused COVID nineteen? All right, let's end this episode before I have to hurt you. No, it makes sense, Hal. See, it's a, it, it's a part of the conspiracy. The reason COVID nineteen. So what I, what I'm hearing is C- Carter and Sadie are curling on a quest, and they are definitely taking their sweet ass time. A little bit. But as it ends, mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh crap, we set Brooklyn on fire." And Carter's starting to be like, "I wonder if what we had stolen was even worth it, or if it was even the right object." Either way, I had a feeling we had finally pushed our luck too far. And I'm like, "Dude, you pushed your luck too hard in the last book when you tried to smooth talk Zaya." So I mean, pff, that's it. And that's the end of chapter two. Hell, we did it. Woo! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hal, do you have any final thoughts about the chapters we just read? No brain 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 off, no thoughts. Brain off, no thoughts. I want to drink water so bad. Mm-hmm. So Hal, if there are no final thoughts, guess what? It's time for Hal, it's time for our credits. <laughs> that's not how the theme song goes, Hal. I can play the theme song if you it's like. A, it's the inter- intermission music, please don't. I can play the theme song that you love so much, Hal. All right. But thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to get into contact with the show, there are a few ways to do that. You can email us at into the universe at gmail.com. Send us your questions, your comments, your concerns. Hell, even come by and say hi. And if you want to follow the show on social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ryordinverse Pod. If you want to follow me on uh, social media, even though I'm currently taking a two-week break, uh, that would be the damn meme page on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Hal, where can they find you on social media? Where they find you. Currently in the void? Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to follow the artist of the icon, you can follow him on Twitter at Rampakoka, R-A-N-P-A-K-O-K-A. If you'd like to follow the wonderful, incredible, stupendous, intelligent, luxurious uh, composer of the theme song that Hal loves so much... You're dying. You can find them on Fiverr at Kobe Ophi. As usual, everyone that I mentioned is in the podcast show notes. Hal, thanks for doing a podcast with me. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Uh, adios.